Hey, it's Kathy with Rocky Retirement. And as promised, today's Friday, and so you'll be getting to listen to Henry Shapiro's Retired Excited. I know you're just going to love this as much as I do. And don't forget, you can still listen to Rock Your Retirement, where I'm the host, and those shows are released on Mondays. Welcome to the Retired Excited Podcast. Retired Excited, the show where we give retired and want-to-be-retired folk a look at how great retired life can be. Here we talk to men and women who are happily retired and loving their life. We explore the techniques, activities, beliefs, and excitement of these happy retirees and examine how every Tom, Dick, and Mary can benefit from their experience. Together, we will delve into what retired happiness really looks like and how anyone can achieve it. Here is your host, Henry Shapiro. Hey folks, Henry here at Retired Excited, the show providing inspiration for people who are nearly retired, newly retired, or say they're never going to retire. If you're nearing retirement and fearful of what lies ahead, you don't need to be. If you're already retired and wondering how to fill your days, then this show is exactly for you. Here we talk to retired people doing things that make them happy. Things from stamp collecting to cruising, from dancing to touring the world on a motorbike. There's an exciting stage of life to be enjoyed after full-time work and it's got nothing to do with your financial situation or social position. We talk to everyday retired people who are living the life they want and we talk to a few professionals to get expert advice. And I chip in with some of my own experiences. Hi there folks, Henry here with episode number 30 of Retired Excited. Got a fabulous interview for you today. But before I tell you who the guest is going to be, I just want you to have a think about this. There are people in this world who strive for achievement and people who strive for fulfillment. Now, I'm not saying that those are opposite ends of a scale. They're just two goals or two things. Not quite sure how to explain those, but when I looked up the dictionary, I looked up achievement, and it led towards the word attainment. When I looked up fulfillment, it led towards the word accomplishment. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about those words as we go through the interview today. We're going to talk to a lady, an 87-year-old lady, and her name is Dorothy Nicholl. Dorothy lives in Lismore, Lismore in Victoria in Australia, and I've spoken about Lismore a few times because I used to have a farm which was adjacent to the town of Lismore, and that's how I knew Dorothy and Ted Goodacre, who I have interviewed in the past, and Margaret Cook. You'll find those interviews if you go to the uh, podcast page in the menu. Anyhow, I started out talking to Dorothy about an amazing collection that she has of gowns and dresses. Over the years, she's collected a significant number, well, thousands, it's in the thousands, of 20th century dresses and gowns. She loves the 20th century, and more, more or less the middle of the century is where her interest lies. And so all the gowns that she has collected, and some of them have been donated, some she's purchased at opportunity shops and got them from here and there, they've all got a story. But later on in the interview, it turned into something else. 
started out talking about the collection and then it turned into her memories and the history of the town and it's really interesting. So here's Dorothy's story. We're in a very strange building. What's the building we're in? This is the Masonic Lodge. So what happened? Obviously the, the Masons aren't here anymore. What, no, what here? they disbanded because of lack of membership. It was just at a time when I'd left Green Gables because of illness. Mm-hmm. I'd been in and out of hospital about for about four years. I loved Green Gables so much. When I was a child, I wanted to live there. In the 1980s, when I was had retired and was looking for... I wanted to do something for Lismore. I thought that would be a great little tourist place. That's how I started A Touch of Childhood. Green Gables, A Touch of Childhood. Well, I had to sell it because, as I said, I didn't want to see it run down and I couldn't afford to... To keep going, really. Green Gables, listeners, was uh, a store in a side street and we're in the little town of Lismore. You've heard me talk about Lismore a few times. And Dorothy ran, as she said, A Touch of Childhood, which was... Had dolls and what other things did uh, you have? It was oh everything in the early twentieth century, the furniture, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a lovely place, beautiful. So, have you lived in Lismore all your life? Yes, I was born here, and I love Lismore. I just, I'm so happy when I'm in Lismore. I just can't understand why people don't come back to their old hometown. Yes. <laughs> but yes. that's another story. And I wanted to be able to say I earn my pension and um, bring buses and things like that, if I could, mm-hmm. to the town. It's been a great journey. Am I allowed to ask how old you are? You're, allowed to, to... you're <laughs> allowed to ask me anything. I just don't have to answer, do I? <laughs> That's correct. But 87 is the answer. Are you really 87? So you've been here 87 years? Yes. What was it like back in the old days? Oh, fabulous. Oh, everybody knew each other. Everybody hopped in and helped each other. There was... The annual, oh, the annual ball was uh, my forte. The, the season started about July, August and went on till November. And every organisation, Red Cross, hospital, football, you name it, all had their annual ball. And it was a good old-fashioned where the was girls... Was there a series of balls? Yes. And so there was like a ball season? Yes, a ball season. <laughs> and just recently I made this, what I think is a fabulous way to do a fashion parade. The hall, the ball, the gown and the music. And we did a film on it. I haven't seen the film yet, but I'm hoping it turns out. And there's a love story in the film. (laughs) Like when it's 100 years of history and in it there's a soldier goes to war. Who made the film? My granddaughter is a Shakespearean a tutor, and so she's got contacts. When I told her the story, she said, Gran, that brings a tear to my eye. That's, <laughs> she, said, she said, we're going to do a film on it. And the hall, the ball. ball. The gown and the music. Fantastic. Yes, yes and it ends up with um, Slim Whitman singing... <laughs> I've done it so many times and I still choke up. It's stupid. She, but, um, she has a hand on her chest at the moment, folks, and getting a bit, a bit cheap. Yeah, always. When I grow too old to dream. Uh, yes, I know it well. I know the because, song well. Yes, yes. well, it's either Chappie, they dance and everybody goes off stage and he sits there dreaming of his girl. Oh, I've got this fabulous 
fabulous wedding gown that um, when I saw it, I said, I've got to have that. I got it at an op shop. The Shire asked me to do a, something in Skipton for Seniors Week. Just put, take a few models and just dress them. I said, can I do what I like? He said, yes. And that's just when it came to me. That's what I'm, I want to do. So I got all teed up and went into Camperdown to t- tell them at Camperdown what I was going to do. And when I, I didn't have the courage to keep going, I thought, oh, no, they'll think I'm silly. So anyhow, I, I dropped the idea. But a little while later, I met the lady in the street that I meant to speak to. I said, I meant to do it. I've got to say it. So I plucked up the courage and told her what I wanted to do about this haul the ball, uh, the gown and the music up in Skipton. So we went away and, and worked it all out and got the models. Am I right in saying that it's already happened, it's been done? Yes, this was four years ago, oh, the first one. Yes. yes. And <laughs> how, how was it received? And I was looking after the music and I was making such a hash of it. But anyway, we kept going, we battled through it. I thought, oh dear, I was dreading going on stage when you have to go on to be thanked because... But I walked on stage and I got a standing ovation. They got the message, they they said the music, then they understood it. I'd never done anything like that before. So that gave me the courage to keep trying. So I've done it three times now, but the last time was just magic because I'd told Lisa, and that's when she said... uh, the, the idea was good. And so and she had professional contacts. We did it in Ballarat Federation Weekend. What a great thing. So that, you've done this really to put the Western District and Lismore, Lismore out on there. The yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Let me go back to your early life again. You were born here. Did you go to school here? Oh, yes. Rode our bicycles three miles, three and a half miles in and three, three and a half miles out, there was a headwind in the morning and there was a headwind at night. <laughs> oh, and I loved sport. I think I went to school for sport. Right. But, however... Um, and then you worked here somewhere, I, I and believe. I went to... It was during the war. Mm-hmm. Dad, he was out of work. The war broke out and he was able to go join the army and we had a normal life. But we were happy as children. Our mum and dad... Never let on that uh, things were so tough. So what did you work at later on? But then, and so Mum sent me to Coal Lake High School mm-hmm. while Dad was still away. I came back home and he came out of the army and at that time uh, people who had been in the army got first choice of jobs and he knew that about the telephonist vacancy there. I got the job through Dad being in the army and that was the only job I ever had. I was 16 Tell me about the job. I know what it is, but tell the listeners what it was. Telephonist? Being a telephonist in oh, those yes. days, what was it like? There was a switchboard mm-hmm. and they had all the numbers and when a, when a subscriber rang, a little shutter dropped yes. and, you, and you put the plug in and said, number please. And the, So this is a, a manual switchboard? Manual switchboard, yes. Like you see in the old movies and you're yes. plugging in plugs. Yes. And uh, to begin with, I was pretty shy because we'd never met people. We went to church and Sunday school. That was our only outing. Nobody ever came to our place because there wasn't many cars around or things like that. We had to go by bicycle. I went to one picture show all my life till I was 16. So I was pretty 
naive and uh, but I grew into the job and stayed there till I got married in 1950. I'm sitting here, we're sitting here folks in the Masonic Lodge, in the Lodge room as it happens and it's crammed with <laughs> uh, mostly ladies frocks but there's a few men's safari suits and bits and pieces and shawls but mostly frocks. Tell us about how this all started. How did you start a collection of this amazing... I wanted to make it a social history of the Western District. So I started buying... Oh, that was what it was. When I retired, I had no money. I had nothing. What am I going to do with myself? Oh, this house that I wanted to live in as a child, that I'd, I just loved that house, Green Gables. That's what I called it, Green Gables. I went to the bank and when I retired and asked, could I borrow the money. Do you know how much the house cost me? $22,000. So the bank manager, he knew me anyhow, he said, yes, I could have, get a loan. That's how it started with all those kids' things. Yes. I hid behind the door mm. when I uh, set it all up to see the look on the kids' faces because I knew that way it's going to go or not. And they were all smiling and and happy to, that they were there. And then I just collected. Now, oh, that's what I was trying to say. What am I going to do? I found a poem. It was called The Vagabond. When I have a house, as I sometime may, I'll suit my fancy in every way. I'll fill it with things that have caught my eye, travelling from oh, somewhere to Molokai. And... I said, I can do it around the Western District, do all that. I can go to the auctions, I can go to the op shops, create something that might be interesting to people and bring people into town on buses and things like that. How long ago did you start the collection? 1992. Hmm. That's Whatever not yesterday, <laughs> the day before. <laughs> Folks, you know that I lived in uh, in Lismore and I knew Dorothy while I was living here. And at one stage, my mother-in-law was also here with us and got talking to Dorothy and said, oh, she had some of her old dresses and whatnot and we donated them to Dorothy's collection. And people all around the district have given her stuff and mostly it's things that have got a sentimental value to the people. Yes. I'm going to get on to that in a minute. So, all right, you're, you're collecting bits and pieces yes. here and you went to opportunity shops and bought some bits as well. And people and auction sales too. Uh, auction sales, yes. yeah. People yes. donated things to you. How many garments would there be here? Have you any Over 2,000. 2,000? Yes. Over. Over two, I haven't counted it for quite a while. But I, I must have been possessed or something because <laughs> one day, not so long ago, I had a second look. Of, what have I been doing? There's dresses everywhere. <laughs> I'm not a very professional. I'm, I never, ever wanted to be professional. I just wanted to be sentimental, I suppose, which is not very <laughs> professional. <laughs> and uh, I rang universities and museums and places like that, and they, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. Well, I didn't think I was capable of doing all that. I didn't think I... You, you talk Would about cataloguing the yes the uh, garments. But and so it's on. important. I, I, we have started cataloguing it, yes. Mm. But I'm um, I'm not the authentic, whatever. I'm not like the galleries. No. And no, no. but I love them. 
Mm. And I wish I could have been, but I didn't. I wanted to just have people come in and have a nice feeling and go away. And they're allowed to touch. You're not supposed to touch. And I understand that because it's in after a few years it begins to show. Mm-hmm. But I like to um, let them have a look and have a little, and they can touch. But we did do fashion parades. And over the years I raised about $75,000 for charity. Goodness me, I had no yes. idea. Yeah. From from the parades that you were doing yes. and, and from the, yes. and it's, the show in Ballarat and so on. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. yes um, the, I think the biggest one was at uh, Ararat. It was called Wedding Bells, B-E-L-L-E-S. So they had a fashion parade of wedding dresses only, a dinner as well, $65 to get in. They made $22,000. Amazing. But they were a good committee that organised that. And And who who were the models? Who wore the dresses? Just the local girls off the street. So they weren't professional models? No. no. And how did they do? Did they enjoy it? Did they do well? Oh, yes. The girls always love it. I've had girls come in and and try on the dresses for whatever they're doing. I wish I could do this every day. (laughs) (laughs) They're always, always amateur girls. So you started early, you started uh, building up a collection. And just tell us again, what was your purpose? What did you have in mind you were going to do with all these I had no idea. I was like a... I felt as though I understood an alcoholic because I just had to. I'm not going to get any more. Oh, but just this one, you know. (laughs) Yes. It it, uh, became an obsession for you, really. Yes, it did. It did. But I'm trying to uh, control it now. <laughs> but I'm finding it hard to make a, make a date when, when I should retire. So have you got your second retirement in mind? You, have, you retired from work and now you, you think about retiring from yes. this? Yes. Yeah. But you, you meet beautiful people. Can you tell us about some of the people you've met? Well, one, one lady, I remember, she came in by herself. She was from Geelong and she looked around and I let her go, just looking around. And then we had a chat afterwards and she said, if I ever come to live in Lismore, can I come and work with you? <laughs> Isn't that nice? And it's, it's nice, yes. Yeah. I get a lump in my throat occasionally, yeah. <laughs> thinking of the, the, the nice feelings I know they get when they go away. What about the garments themselves? Are they, can you tell me about any particular garments? Yes, there's several, several. Have, have they got stories? Like, have yes, they, yeah. there's a lovely story uh, with the um, the yellow one. A, a lady who was living in Lismore, she brought some dresses down, and um, her father was in the um, British Navy, a uh, British Army. I'm sorry, at uh, in Singapore, uh, Changi. It was a, an English Army depot then. And uh, she brought me this lovely yellow net sequin dress, the Dior look. The wives of the officers had to dress for dinner every night, and so they had to wear these dresses. There was a yellow one and a a green one. That's one of the uh, nice stories. I asked you whether you had... Something worn by Lady Dyer as a joke one day. I was just about (laughs) to tell you that one. um, No, she hasn't, folks. Close. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the lady from Darren Ullum, 
her husband was the Shire, Shire president. They were invited to uh, the Hyatt in Melbourne when uh, Prince Charles and Lady Diana were out here. So, And then uh, just on the phone the other day, I had another phone call from a girl who used to live in Derrenalum. And actually, her father and I were b born at the same time. We were babies in the Lismore Hospital at the same time, <laughs> 87 years ago. She had a dress there, she said, that she'd carried around for years that belonged to her mum. Her mum and dad had been invited to... I can't remember where the affair was, but it was uh, when the Queen Mother and Prince Philip were out here oh. in 1950s, when she opened Parliament. And so I've yet to see that one, but she, she said that she wanted to get rid of it and would I like it. And I said, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, the emphasis for you has been on collecting dresses from the Western District, because that's where we are. We're in the Western it's, District Yes, it, nearly everything is from the Western District, mm, yes. Yeah. There's some from uh, McKinnon, uh, Claire. She'd been Claire Adams, the American film star. Oh. I've got some of hers. Um, Claire lived out at uh, Karen Ballack. When I first came back to the country from the city, the people who ran the, ran the property, the lady of the house was my best friend. And uh, she invited me over to the McKinnon home quite often because Mrs McKinnon would, wouldn't be there. I wish later on that I had... Uh, visited her because they told me that she was a bit lonely in later life and um, would love to talk about her past and would be nice to have taken the children to to just chat with her. Yeah. But when she died, they uh, sent all the better things to the auctions in Melbourne, but they had a, a big sale. So I was able to go in and purchase some of the things they thought weren't so good. But at the present time, I can't show you because it's... Uh, in Warrnambool at the uh, art gallery, they're having a display of my things down and there. At the art gallery, because mm. Warrnambool's got a really beautiful and fairly new art gallery down there. So they're having a, a display yes. of your yeah. garments. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And another, uh, some, another garments, uh, some other garments are from uh, the Grimwade family in Lismore. Yes. Yeah, Mr Grimwade, and I can't think of his first name, was a member of parliament, wasn't he? I'm not sure that Mr. Grimmode was, but the, we've had we'd have we've had several parliamentarians here, but Mrs. Grimmode's dress that's in Warrnambool too, uh, not a dress, an um, evening coat that she wore in the 1930s. Then her daughter has donated some of her things, so the Grimmode family will be remembered. The Grimmodes, and my memory is that the Grimmodes were great supporters of the town, weren't they? Oh, they did, yes, yeah. they were fabulous, yeah. They were in the days where people who had money yes. and looked after their communities and, and put oh, money into the yes, communities. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. We miss those people. But yeah. life changes, doesn't it? Things change. We had uh, Mr Gibson, who was the um, Postmaster General at one stage. Then there was Mr Street, Mr Geoffrey Street, wasn't he the one in the, who got uh, killed in that terrible accident, August 1940? It's before uh, my time, Dorothy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, up in in New South Wales, I'm not sure. I don't um, know. Yeah, there was Geoffrey Street, Thornthwaite, 
all these ministers of uh, Parliament, oh. yes, killed in a, um, an air crash. Okay. Yes. I didn't know that. They, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the, the, some of those names live on around here. Y- yes. Is Gibson still in the district? And yes, there is. And, yeah. And um, Omen, on the front of the building, there's a, a memorial to uh, uh, Mrs. Omen, who donated the land for this lodge to be built. Well, he was a member of Parliament. We're in a tiny little town. Yes. At a hundred and kilometres west of Geelong and it's seen, seen a lot of history around oh, here. Oh, it has a lot. Of, yeah. Oh, yes, I went to Melbourne once uh, with my friend and we were walking along the beach at Williamstown. We met her university teacher, mentioned that I came from the Western District. He said, oh, the WD, you must own property. <laughs> I said, oh, yes, I do, but it was only a house. <laughs> We've strayed a long way from... Uh, <laughs> yes, we have got the history, haven't we? But, but I, that's, I, I, that's what it's all about, the history. That's what yes. I, I, I call it my social history. It might probably be historians that sh- shudder, <laughs> but it's my version of living in the 20th century. And that's what I'd say my hobby is living in the 20th century. <laughs> A mistake I know that I should have learnt the computer. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> but it, it will depend on it entirely. I don't like it because it's so impersonal, perhaps that's the word, and yes. I'm a bit of a dreamer. Yeah. Something I just wanted to say, and this has to do with the 20th century, and in particular, I think maybe around about the 50s, people were much more involved in their community. Oh, yes. And here in Lismore, the town wanted a swimming pool. Yes, yes. The local farmers used to plant crops along the roadside as well as on their own properties and the crops that were planted on the roadside, when they stripped them, the profit from that, they donated to build the swimming pool. Yes, they did. Yeah. And now the shire keeps trying to close (laughs) it down and we fight tooth and nail to save it. That community... they didn't just donate, but they put in their time and their effort. Uh, it's astounding. Yes. You just don't get that much these days. No. No. That's what I loved, to be involved. And when I came back, I got married in 1950 left town and saw what the rest of the world was like. Lived in Mortlake for a while. Then I worked in Melbourne. It was the loneliest place on earth. <laughs> and but it, Was it too big for you? Probably. I'd come home weekends and things, walk up the street, everybody says hello, and I'd go back to the lonely old Melbourne, wouldn't even smile at you as you walked by. <laughs> but came back to, uh, to Lismore, and, but so I missed out from 1950 to 1975, I think. I missed out being here when that was on, but I was well aware of what was going on. Another example is when the... Excuse me, when the tsunami happened, oh, golly, it must be 15 years or more ago now, the local farmers decided how can they support the people and they decided to donate bales of hay. Do you remember this? And we're talking about five-foot round bales, as they were, or as they still are. And people were donating bales and so they'd bring them in and put them down on the showgrounds and then on the, the fateful day they auctioned them all off and the money went off for the tsunami, and I think... I can't remember how much they raised, but it was about eight grand, I think. Oh, goodness. 
So there's a real community feeling there is, in, in yes. small country towns, isn't it? Yes. Quite, quite different from being in, in Melbourne or in a big mm. city. Yeah. What makes me a bit sad now, people come here to live, but we never see them. The Pogus Association had uh, inv- invited, we give them all a little bag of goodies when they arrive. Yeah. That's okay. So they're aware of this, the uh, Progress Association. We sent an invitation to all newcomers. Not one re- answered. No one came to the <laughs> little right. morning tea we'd arranged for them. I suppose they've they, come from Melbourne and they're just yes, not used and to... Yes, and they're, they're, their world comes with them, the computer. They don't need to uh, mix and they've got the mobile phones. What's it done to people? Yeah. It's sad, isn't it? Yeah. It is a way because it's a great way of life is to go, go for, get your groceries and meet and chat. And, yeah. and then uh, my mum used to coach the tennis, the kids. Hundred, she had 100 children on Saturday morning practising. That's in the, around the district. But we don't even have a tennis team anymore. Here's these lovely tennis courts down there. And there's cricket and there's golf. Yeah. There's a pool. There's football. There's plenty to there's do. There's tennis. Yeah. Basketball for the girls. Our yeah. forefathers were so wise in creating a community. When, when I first came here, I, I was wondering what the young kids did. And I, I asked one of the kids on the street one day, you know, what do you do on the weekend? He said, we go down and watch the girls playing tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, did they? Why didn't they go and play tennis too? <laughs> I, I uh, love my tennis and my golf. I love that. I even won a little cup once. <laughs> At tennis or golf? At tennis. Tennis. You must. I, I won a medal. <laughs> I wasn't. I loved my sport, but I wasn't. I wasn't brilliant, but I, would, I could really enjoy it. Yes. Now um, I just want to get back when we were talking before we started recording. You were talking about confidence. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you're naturally a shy person, I can tell, and people can tell just from your voice. How did you get the confidence to market this place, to put it out there and advertise it and so on? Well, I'll tell you about the vulnerable fella. Whatever you like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because you've told me a few times that you weren't a confident person, really. Oh, no, no, no. When I first went dancing... My friend, one of the girls, the telephonist, said, why don't we go to the dance? I was about 17 and I'd never been to a dance then. I said, OK, but you've got to promise to dance with me because nobody will ask me to dance. <laughs> we both, we each wore a, a red Sunday sunray pleated skirt and a white shirt with bishop sleeves. And uh, off we went to the dance. So we da- we got up and we we started to dance. And we got a tap on the shoulder. Each got a tap on the shoulder. Two other boys had decided that maybe they don't like us to dance with them. And after that, it was <laughs> that was it. You danced the night <laughs> well, away. Yes, we danced the night away. And I was went home really happy. Mm-hmm. Somebody had asked me to dance. <laughs> We mentioned the ball, ball season before, didn't we? The Yes, we ball did. Ball season. Yeah. And that is one of the reasons why I love the uh, to collect ball gowns because I must have about 150. See that one there? That belonged to uh, 
you know, Stacey Keating, the golfer. She's on the world circuit, golf. Um, what, what I'm looking that, at is a full-length uh, blue chiffon yes, number. Yes, with, that's uh, right. Uh, her, it's a fairly light blue with darker blue flowers in, uh, well, printed on it. Stacey's grandmother's. Her grandmother was um, two years younger than I am. We went to school together. And she go, one day she rang up and she said, um, I've got some ball gowns in my wardrobe that they've been there for 20 years and I have no further use for them. Would you like them? And she brought them around to me. They're lovely. What's the thing you like best about collecting and, and showing and, and what whatever? What do I love best? Oh, goodness me, that's a good question. Hard to answer. It just reminds me... It, I should, I shouldn't, you know. I know you shouldn't live in the past, but it just brings back memories, and I love memories. Right. Yes, yeah. I just love them. And you've mentioned people a fair bit as well, as we've been. Yeah, going people. On. Yeah, people. I love people. Everybody's special. In what way? One way is because everyone's different. I think everybody's got something. Sometimes it's a bit sad what they let happened to themselves I had a a lovely little poem once and I lost it don't make fun of the man who trips and stumbles along the road unless you have worn the shoes that he wears or staggered beneath his load and maybe nails in his shoes that hurt they're hidden away from you but if your feet were in his shoes would cause you to do some stumble too, something like that. It went. Yes. And you can learn from almost everyone. Not a good idea to criticise. It's much more rewarding to give them a little bit of praise because everyone likes to be encouraged rather than put down. When we were at school, I was good at sport. Other than that, I was just, just a quiet mouse-like creature. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody really knew what I was like. Perhaps that's not a bad thing. <laughs> I don't know anybody that I really dislike. I sometimes don't think it's a good idea to do some of the things they do, but who am I to judge? <laughs> and going to church and Sunday school didn't do me any harm, I'm sure. And you're still you're still involved with the church? Or not yes, involved, I, but you're still I, going? Yes, I, I Funny thing, I learned to play the organ. I learned to play music for one year, about 1980-ish, because I loved organ music at that stage. I bought an organ, so I had to learn how to play it. So I learned it for a year, and a couple of years later, the church was without an organist. They asked what I play, I said, well, I'm not very good, so... I haven't been the permanent one until just lately, but I'm so glad that I was able to put to use what I did because there was no-one else there to do it. And it's not very much fun singing without music. Do you find anything difficult about having this collection? Oh, well, being a pensioner, there's never any cash. And I don't I ever want to depend on money to make me happy. I've never, ever, because... The Depression, and then my dear husband was a compulsive gambler, so there was never any money. The pension is adequate, but there's not much spare, so I'm just so 
thankful and grateful without having any money. Yeah. I just am amazed that I have led such a happy, full, interesting life with something out of nothing. Yeah, when we spoke on the phone, you said to me, it's like a dream. It is like a dream. It's, I can't believe all those things lately that are happening what do I say made me happy? What, um, well, it was, it was that you've, you've gone through life and then oh, yes. sort of a bit later in life things have started happening to you. Yes, that I never dreamed of or never planned. One of the things that gave me some courage was when there was one lady who used to come here and uh, after a while she told me she just loved it and she used to go away and talk about it, what I do. But she didn't tell me she did that. And but word got to the Warnable Art Gallery that it, it would be a good idea to go and have a look and see what they thought. Well, they duly came and um, the director of the, the art director gallery... director of the gallery? He was a very serious person, they said, and not very approachable. When he's walking in, I, he looked so much like the country squire. He was English, I think, but he... he and I, I mentioned without even thinking, you do look special or something to that effect. You just look like the country squire. Well, that must have pleased him, I think, because later on when I asked him to, uh, would, I, would he mind signing the visitor's book, I said, did you really like it? And he said, I loved it. And he wrote in the book. And so after that, I thought, oh, it must be OK if somebody like that, who knows all about art, etc., likes it, perhaps I can sort of be a bit more outgoing about things. So that gave you a bit more comfort, gave you more confidence. Yes, it gave me the heart to think, oh, well, it's not all just me. It's uh, interesting for other people. Sometimes ladies would come and... One of them said, this reminds me of my sister. <laughs> She's got clothes everywhere. <laughs> I don't know, it's being allowed to touch things and knowing the stories that go with the dresses. I think that's it, the stories that go with the dresses. Oh, I didn't mention RMIT, did I? That was the next question. Talk to us about that. RMIT. Fact, RMIT is Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology, yes. which used to be a technical college in the early days, but it's developed and developed. And now it's a university. That's right, yes. Yeah. yeah, I should have said this much, much earlier. The lady from Tarang who sort of took me under her wing, she'd been in theatre and art all her life. She called in when I was down at Green Gables and um, she must have been impressed on what she saw and she got in touch with a RMIT, a Sylvia Walsh. Sylvia and Judy came back and had a look and Sylvia decided to use my place for her to do her master's degree on. Well, I didn't know what that, what was going on. I just went along with what they did. They came and took photos. Then I see later where they've sent things all over the world to France and Germany, photos and all that sort of thing. And then I'd, I'd get every now and again, I'd get asked for stories about the dresses. It wasn't until about 18 months ago, two years, that I began to dawn on me 
what had been happening and what is happening now, all the dresses with the stories and all that sort of thing. Sylvia sent me all the details all the time. I said, oh, yes, oh, yes. And all of a sudden, <laughs> it all started to say, oh, yes, that's what it meant. Oh, yes, <laughs> this is what it meant. So your fame is worldwide now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't even know it. I, I didn't even... I wasn't aware. That's how... I'm not going to say innocent, that's not the word. Naive, and I'm a bit old to be naive. <laughs> and another person who was a, a big help was a lady in Warrnambool. She was promoting this place everywhere she went. Early this year she um, had a, a week at one of the Ballarat galleries. All the people who took part in that uh, exhibition were... They weren't allowed, they were dress uh, sewers, but they weren't allowed to uh, have a pattern. They had to make up their own pattern. Well, that was a great success. What made me very sort of humble was that she got her inspiration from my collection. Well, that was... Isn't that lovely? It was, it was lovely, That's but... A direct indication that you're doing good in the world, that uh, <laughs> someone's enjoyed it. Yeah. Yes, it, it, yeah, the people do get something special out of it. Yeah. It is really special. Now, I'm going to delve into a question which might seem a bit uh, cheeky of me, but you said you're 87 and that you're thinking about retiring. What's going to happen to this collection if you retire? I'm taking it with me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Enough said. <laughs> uh, it's very difficult to... Uh, I don't want to leave it for somebody else to sort out. No doubt I'll get. I'll, I'll make inquiries and get advice and uh, do it properly. Yes, and fairly to people, yes. And if anybody ever wanted back what they donated, they're welcome because I don't sell anything. But I wouldn't knowingly sell anything that had been donated anyway. Yeah. So then just finally, the podcast is about or the the show is about what people do when when they retire. Yes. And you've started a collection and it's gotten out of control. Yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> you're a fanatic. <laughs> um, what do you think people should do when they retire? Oh, follow their heart, I'd say. But we were growing up, when we were growing up, you didn't follow your heart. It didn't, you weren't supposed to be a dreamer, you were supposed to be realistic. But uh, if you want to be happy, do what makes you happy, so long as you're not hurting anybody. I think, could I answer any better than that? I don't think you could. <laughs> I don't think you could. There's so many good things you can do. I just yeah. want to stay here and try and hold, the, uh, hold on to some of the things we used to do. And it was so safe. You never locked your doors. When I was at the Green Gables, I got up one morning, went out to the shop, and the place was full of people. It was a busload of ladies from Queensland and I'd left the key in the door all night. <laughs> I just walked in. <laughs> so uh, I'm a bit careless, I suppose you'd call that one. I have to be honest and be so I'm careless. About trusting people, though, it was good. You could trust most people. You're not stupid and 
I suppose, and not just trust unwittingly and get caught. I'll wind up there. It's a brilliant collection and it's it's terrific that you've been able to not just have it for yourself, like some people would have a, an art collection in their house mm. that no one would ever see, but you've been able to take it out to the community and, and help the town with the money that you've raised with the various shows and everything. Mm. I think that's just absolutely wonderful. So thank you for all that work that you've done for the community, <laughs> but thank you for speaking to us and the listeners. I think gonna be, they're going to be delighted with this interview and, and with you. But you, you give all well, you get back, don't you? Yeah. That's right. Thanks again. <laughs> Thank you. Did you learn anything? I learned lots of things. I had no idea that you'd raised so much money. I knew that you had the shows and, you know, I've been to your... Yes, I don't very often say that about the money. I'm pretty pleased about that, that, yes. yeah. Well, there you are. Now that we've heard Dorothy's story, did she have a life of achievement, a life of fulfilment, or did she have both? What do you think? I want you to just relate that back to your own life and the things that you strive for in life and how that compares with the whole concept of happiness. That's where it all starts. Anyhow, you could say perhaps that Dorothy's had a charmed life in retirement. And if you think that, I want you to think about this. Did that happen to her or did it happen because of her? As Dorothy herself says, she has no money but... I personally have really met someone who's so upbeat and so loving and so positive all the time. I've known her for perhaps 18 years and I've seen her stressed and I've seen her worried. I have never, I don't think, seen Dorothy angry. It's amazing. Again, I'll leave it to you to think about the reasons for her attitude and the influences that she has had on her life. If you'd like to comment on any of the aspects of what you've heard today about history, about clothing about the influences on your life, just leave a comment at the bottom of the page in the reply box and I'd be very grateful if you'd press the share button at the bottom of the page. If you want to contact me, email me at henry at retiredexcited.com. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I love talking to Dorothy. I always get a buzz out of talking to Dorothy. And that is it for today. So thank you for listening. And I'll see you next week. I want to give that a go for sure. Um, Ian, that was terrific. That was interesting. What a good idea. Oh, wait, I wanted to thank you again for listening to the Rocky Retirement Show. If you're a new listener, a good place to start is episode 116. This explains the six pillars of retirement lifestyle and our general philosophy. Episodes 1 through 236 can be thought of as an encyclopedia. These are topics that may or may not be interesting to you. 
you can listen to the ones that you're interested in and forget the rest until the issue becomes an issue for you. And that's okay. I actually don't recommend starting with episode one and working through until the most recent. That's actually not how the show was designed. Of course, if you want to do that so you can see how the show changed over time, you're welcome to. Now, starting in August, actually August 31st of 2020, we changed the format of the show. The monthly episodes starting with 237 follow a real retiree from her pre-announcement through her first year of retirement. There might be bonus episodes, but we're committed to monthly. If you've enjoyed any of our past shows or the show that you've just listened to and you want to support us, you can do so in any of the four ways. One, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs to hear it. This is the most important way that people find us. Since our audience is typically older, we grow by having our listeners share our episodes with others. Two, subscribe to or follow the show using whatever podcast catcher you're listening on right now. Now, if you're listening on your computer, you can listen on your smartphone by going to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, iHeartRadio, Spotify. I mean, I believe on all of them. If you can't find us on the podcast catcher that you'd like to use, send us a note on the website at rockyourretirement.com and we'll make sure that we get on your favorite podcast app. But basically, what you do is you download the app and then you search for the show. And when you find it, you'll hit subscribe. Make sure it's the Rock Your Retirement Show and that you hear my voice when you listen. Um, actually, there were some episodes where Henry Shapiro was a guest. Uh, we, we actually downloaded some of his episodes. So if you hear him, it's probably still the, the same show. There were maybe 34 or 35 episodes back in the beginning that we hosted on our show uh, when he decided to leave podcasting. Number three, how you can support us is by leaving a review. Whatever podcast app you're listening to normally has the option of leaving a review, either a written review saying how great the show is, or just with stars. Five stars is typically the best. And of course, we're shooting for those five-star reviews. And if you tell us why you like the show, what you liked about it, it's actually easier for other people to understand what the show's about. A lot of people, when they find our show, they think it's about money. And of course, by now, you know that it's not. Number four, if you'd like to support us financially, of course, we're always appreciative of that. Just go to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and it will take you to our page where you can support us financially. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye.